It's Guy's Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio, this is our last show before Thanksgiving. I hope you have a good one. I know it's going to be a weird Thanksgiving this year, and hopefully we'll have a lot more to be thankful for next year. We've got a great show for you today. We've got two Guys Guys, and we're going to talk about self-love, and it's something that maybe you know dudes don't talk about too much, but it's important because if you don't love yourself, it's really hard to get along with this world and also to love other people, and it's really important to make room in your heart for other people because otherwise uh, things can't tighten up and close up, and it's really challenging, particularly for men, because men can get stuck in patterns and it's hard to break out. So uh, Guys Guys Radio today, we have two special guests. We've got one, Blake Bauer. He's written a book, an international bestseller called You Were Not Born to Suffer. Overcome fear, insecurity, and depression, and love yourself back to happiness, confidence, and peace. He's going to talk about his trials and tribulations and his journey to self-realization. And he's out there serving others by telling people his story and what he did to kind of learn to love himself and break through. So we've got uh, Blake D. Bauer first, and then we've got Gary D. Sal, your PhD. He's been on the show before. We're going to talk a little bit about relationships in the age of COVID and what a challenge that is. His book is Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. It's a message that is relative to men and women, and we're going to put a little uh, spin on it with COVID because, you know, dating's tough enough without without having COVID and a pandemic in the way. And, uh, and I think everybody's really got to take a step back and say, hey, do I need a relationship? Is that my number one priority right now, a new relationship? Or should I kind of maybe go slow and maybe go inside and work on myself first, learn to love myself, get it together. And then as I get back out there, I'll be in a much better position. But it seems like 2020 is a time for everybody to go inside, whether it's physically or emotionally or spiritually or mentally and go inside and see what's going on and how we can kind of improve ourselves. Obviously, a lot of people have a lot of pressure, financial pressure, illness, etc. And there's all the stress with the media and the election and everything. But I think it's important that if you can grab a second here or there, take some time and maybe add some practices to your life that'll help you improve and be able to relax a little bit and to love yourself. You know, think meditation, yoga, uh, qigong, whatever it might be. This is a time to consider adding new practices to your day-to-day life that could relax you and help you to accept and love yourself and then be in a position to better love others. So, Guys Guys Radio, two Guys Guys guests today. Let's get started right now, Guys Guys Radio, with Blake D. Bauer and Gary D. Salyer, Ph.D. It's Guys Guy Radio. Guest, I, I think he's a real guys guy, and I think we're on kind of the same wavelength in terms of our perspective, our some of our experiences, and our desire to help people. And his name is Blake D. Bauer. He's an international best-selling author. He's got a book called You Were Not Born to Suffer, which I think is very appropriately titled for nowadays because a lot of times uh, in today's times, we have trouble accepting and loving ourselves, and it all begins from there. He's also a mental, emotional, and physical health expert, modern meditation and Qigong master, uh, self-care, self-love, self-healing, self-mastery kind of coach, uh, counsels and coaches for deep healing, 
emotional intelligence, effective communication, high performance, and confidence. Uh, his book, You Were Not Born to Suffer, uh, is an international bestseller, and he helps people around the world uh, over and over again. Uh, and he's just really a terrific guy. And the book is about effective mental and emotional health support, something we need right now. Blake Bauer, welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So let's uh, let's start right at the beginning. I think the uh, and I read all the questions that are sent to me, and I developed my own. So uh, let's just have a conversation. So why do you believe that people choose or feel the need to suffer? The, the, and do people realize that they are suffering, or is this just kind of the modern state of mankind? I think you know everybody lives across a spectrum, Robert, and. You know, for me, the the philosophy behind my work has become that most of us just never learned how to love and care for ourselves as children. And so we have a very self-destructive relationship to ourselves with our thoughts, how we uh, relate to our emotions and our needs, and then to our body. And then that self-destructive relationship to ourselves translates into toxic relationships with other people and with work and with substances or food, uh, et cetera. And I think just most of us really learned how to hurt ourselves and how to allow ourselves to get hurt over and over and over again. And we're stuck in that habitual cycle. And sometimes we just don't know how to break free. And then there's a lot of theories out there that are really... Uh, beautiful theories, but they don't necessarily translate into a no BS practical. How do I do this in my life right now and break the cycle? Mm -hmm. Do you think um, like I'm a boomer, a little older than you. And, uh, you know, when I grew up, you know, some kids had issues and other kids didn't. And I it was pretty simple. We didn't have a computer. We didn't have a cell phone. You know, at the beginning, there was black and white TV. I'd go outside and play with a ball and ride my bike and that was it. I personally, and everybody's experience is different. I didn't have many issues. I grew up a pretty happy kid, loving family. Yeah, was it dysfunctional? What family isn't in certain ways? But do you think that, um, you know, what happened with you and you had a troubled childhood and a lot more people seem to be having that now? Is that part of a, a cultural shift, a global consciousness, or is this just something that's been around forever that's just starting now to really get to the surface so people really are aware of the issue of lack of self-love and self-worth, and the need to address it? I think it's both. I think it's something that's being passed down from generation to generation. So this toxic relationship to ourselves or a lack of healthy self-love is something our grandparents passed to our parents and our parents passed to us, and a lot of us are passing to our own children. But then I think that over the last you know 50 years, our country has grown into this developed consumer capitalistic superpower, which has uh, increased the speed at which people live, the uh, desire for more, you know, more materialism, more money, more things, thinking that that's going to make us happy or make us more lovable. So I think the answer is, is both. I think it's something that was latent in our DNA and in our biology, and, and we were set up with it from the beginning because it's something we have to heal as human beings for the next step, I think, in our evolution. And then I think it is something that has just been uh, magnified and, uh, you know, become exponential because of these different factors, just like, you know, social media, for example, and the Internet make fear worse because fear spreads quicker. 
this toxic relationship to ourselves is really magnified. For example, the entire advertising industry, right, is predicated on the fact that you're not enough as you are and you need this to be beautiful, you need this to be attractive, you need this to be loved, and a lot of us are trapped in, in that um, very toxic belief system. From your uh, personal experience, now you uh, had uh, issues with the self-worth and self-love when uh, you were a kid. So tell us about quickly, what, what happened there, and then what was your epiphany to say, I have to get to the real truth and turn this thing around? Well, that is a very loaded question, Robert, and you'll have to cut me off if I if I ramble too much. But, you know, I just never learned how to love myself as a child. And practically speaking, I didn't know how to express my emotions in a healthy way. I didn't know how to honor my needs and, and follow my heart. I didn't know how to act in integrity. You know, I learned to basically shove my truth to survive and to people please and that led me to self-destructive behaviors, particularly uh, abusing drugs and alcohol and then destroying my life and everything I cared about and hurting the people around me. And uh, it was at the age of 18 after I got a very bad DUI with drugs in my car and lots of drugs in my system uh, and was kicked off the varsity football team as a captain of the varsity football team with my two best friends and we were all supposed to go play college football, and I ruined all those opportunities and then spiraled into a suicidal depression, and that was the beginning of my healing journey. And obviously at the time it was horrible, but it was the biggest blessing because that's how I really got to reconnect with my true self, develop this emotional intelligence, master my mind through, emo you know, through meditation, begin healing, finding purpose, and then eventually sharing that with other people. Let me ask you this. So um, that is a, the description of kind of what happened. What What is it about that you may feel comfortable speaking freely about? What was it about your, was it your family, your home life, your relationship to your parents or your siblings or whatever that gave you these feelings of uh, um, discomfort, if you will? Yeah, it was everything. I, I had two parents that struggled emotionally and then had a toxic relationships that ended in a very painful divorce. Then I didn't have my dad in my life for a while. And my dad had drug addiction problems. Okay. And I had a brother who was a drug addict who passed away from heroin. Mm -hmm. um, I had an uncle who was a drug addict who passed away from quaaludes, if you remember those. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I grew up around just a lot of dysfunction and pain. And then for me to, because I think my home life was a bit unstable, I really wanted to fit in with my friends and be accepted. And I really wanted a woman to love me. And I think I learned to basically hurt myself to be accepted and loved by other people. And it became a very deep pattern for me where I really hurt myself for years. When when you had your epiphany, what what uh, flipped the switch on that, and then what did you do, and how did you how did you start on your path to more of a self realization and uh, self worth and self love? And the reason I'm asking these questions is because there's so many listeners out there can relate to to your story, and I just want to put it into context so they they can think about their lives and maybe hey, did I miss this opportunity? What can I do now? So I, I hope you understand where I'm coming from. 100%. So at 18, when I hit that rock bottom, I went from being very arrogant and thinking I was invincible to being tortured psychologically and emotionally and waking up every day just tortured by my thoughts and my emotions. And 
I had ruined everything that I cared about, everything that was my ego or my identity at that age. And I noticed that I was following in the footsteps of the adults in my family who had ruined their own lives and their own families and their own careers. And I had a lot of pride and maybe it was ego pride, but I think I also had a lot of self-respect. And I thought to myself, I am actually heading down the same path that they are, that they were. And I don't want to end up like that. I think there's more for me in this life that I want a better life and I want to respect the man and the person that I am. So that gave me the strength. It was the pain and the shame in my community, that suffering, that gave me the strength to stop drinking and stop getting high and put my healing as the top priority. And so I began with things like yoga and then eventually meditation. And I started meditating every morning. And I'd say meditation more than anything saved my life, learning to train my mind. And I started eating healthier because my nutrition definitely affected my mental and emotional state. And I started taking lots of vitamins. And so in those little ways, I started to strengthen my physical body and strengthen my health. And then that strengthened my mental and emotional health. And then this is a very short version, but I ended up going to five different universities studying psychology, alternative medicine, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, Western herbal medicine, uh, all the sciences. Um, I, you know, studied with spiritual masters from around the world in these spiritual practices like meditation, yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, Mm -hmm. all trying to feel better, feel healthier mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then I just wanted to share it with other people because I I find that a lot of books are uh, a little bit too complicated. It's all theory, but it's not that no BS. How do I do this and be in the world in a healthy way, you know, with integrity, with values, with purpose, and not be so caught up in the rat race or the illusion of what success and happiness is? Blake D. Bauer, my, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio, and based on his, uh, his last statement, I agree, agree, agree. And his book is <laughs> you, you Are Not Born to Suffer, Overcome Fear, Insecurity, and Depression, Love Yourself Back to Happiness, Confidence, and Peace. And it's, it's such a relevant issue because so many of us right now are going through that, and the whole COVID, COVID thing d- dials that up a couple of notches. But uh, a question is uh, spirituality. What aspect of that, if any, has... Uh, woven its way along the your path? Well, so spirituality has been 100% uh, a big part of my path because as a young man, I didn't know why I came to the planet. I didn't believe in God. I didn't understand my connection to life and the universe. And then that uh, not knowing and questioning evolved into a perspective where, you know, we're all part of this universe. We're uh, made up of atoms and energy, and we're all connected to the same energy field. And I think, you know, there's a lot of spiritual practices like meditation, like yoga, and they all have these philosophies and these theories. But the most important thing that really comes out of it is that you grow into a healthy, loving, and kind person. And that really is all that matters. It, it doesn't matter if you think you're enlightened, if you're not a nice person to everybody, or you think you're enlightened and you come from this egotistical higher, you think you're better than other people, because right, the spiritual ego is the worst kind of ego. Right. So I think it, it all manifests in who and how you are, which is if you're kind, loving, understanding, accepting, tolerant, patient, those are the virtues 
that true spirituality expresses itself as, not just being a yogi or a meditation master or going to India. Did you find, Blake, that um, uh, when you went on this path with the meditation, the Qigong, the Tai Chi, um, yoga, that um, that was part of eliminating obstacles and eliminating the alcohol and the drugs and et cetera, it's all about making a clear connection to spirit, if you will, and, and spiritual consciousness and moving that stuff, the bad stuff out of the way and using the other uh, exercises, if you will, um, to, to cl- clarify and heighten that path to spirit. Is, is that really what happened with you, that uh, you kind of cleared things out and had more direct connection with who you are in the universal consciousness? 100% that that's exactly what happened and and you know as someone who abused all kinds of drugs for years I now say to people that the states of consciousness and the highs that you can experience through spiritual practice far exceed what you can get from a substance and they're sustainable and they have no uh, side effects so yes 100% that was the case and then you know as as that journey unfolds you realize that you're not separate from spirit, from the universe, or from God, if you believe in some kind of God, and that it's inside you, and it is you. And the more you clear out the old pain and the toxins inside of you, you become uh, you become more and more aware of that. And then the last thing that pops into my head, Robert, is you know the more and more you do these things that make you feel well naturally, like eat healthy, drink a lot of water, exercise, get into these spiritual practices follow your heart, talk about your feelings, your energy and your vibration gets stronger and healthier and you feel really good. And when you feel really good, you don't want to eat or ingest anything that's toxic and brings your your energy or your vibe down. And you don't want to be around people who are toxic or that bring your energy down. And it becomes a very natural, organic, instinctual process. Very well stated. And I love the common sense approach. And you know, people throw words like spirituality around, and it's really about, you know, creating a channel between consciousness and, and yourself. And it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, all up in the clouds type of thing. It's very real because the, most people don't understand. But I think when they start doing the work and the practices that you profess is that you know, the work and the changes are done inside because all, all the answers are really there. Because if there is a divine spark of uh, God, if you will, within everybody, then we're all God in a way. And then it's a matter of dialing up that connection. Let me ask you this, Blake, um, just for practicality purposes, you know, I understand yoga and uh, Tai Chi was a, is a different subject than uh, Qigong, but meditation is a very, uh, I think, nice first step for a lot of people. However, with all the monkey chatter and all of the, you know, how people consume media now, it used to be, you know, a 30 second commercial and even that was kind of getting in the way. Now it's, you go on Facebook or whatever and just, it's scrolling these stories. It's like five seconds. It's like scroll, 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 scroll. People wake up, the, the, the phone is next to their bed, scroll, scroll, scroll. They go to sleep, the phone is next to their bed, scroll, scroll, scroll. I put myself in the habit by, I put my phone away And when I wake up in the morning, I spend between five and 15 minutes um, and I've extended the time uh, in a meditation, a zero balancing meditation. And after that, that, I either do some tapping or do some dowsing or whatever. But what it does for me is it kind of sets a really good tone for the day where I'm not all verjasic thoughts and monkey chatter and all over the place. But so many people 
have trouble getting started with meditating because they can't slow their mind down. Could you give some tips to help people kind of how can they get started? Because it's a very basic practice and it's something anybody can do. And it's really, really helpful. Absolutely. I think, well, Robert, I think you gave some of the best advice and hit the nail on the head because our thoughts in the morning really create our day. And Mm -hmm. so doing what I encourage is 10 minutes of meditation first thing in the morning, just like you said, don't look at your phone. You go to the bathroom, maybe get some water, but don't do anything else. Don't have your coffee. Don't get into reading anything. And the technique that I focus on and teach after studying many, many techniques is comes back to the essence of what the Buddha taught, which is why Buddhism has been so popular around the world and is the foundation of mindfulness, which is basically you close your eyes and you breathe through your nose and you feel your body and you focus on your breathing. And when your mind is wandering and you're thinking or you're talking to yourself, you say the word thinking just to yourself. And when you say the word thinking, it's your cue to bring your attention back to your breathing and back to your body. And every time you choose to bring your attention back to your breathing and back to your body, you're choosing to take your power back from those toxic thoughts or that out of control monkey mind. And you're, you're building your capacity. You're building that muscle to choose and guide healthier thoughts, to choose and guide your attention where you put attention and your focus every day. So you're not the victim of wherever your subconscious wants to run to. Oh, I love it. Great answer. Thank you, Blake, for that. So uh, adding on to that, obviously yoga is a, is a breathing and a physical practice. Um, m- most people are not that familiar with uh, Tai Chi and Qigong and uh, the differences between the two. Could you just give a quick one-on-one on both of those? Because they're very important and they work with some type of the kind of infinity eight and the movements are all choreographed for specific reasons in terms of unlocking and connecting with energy. Absolutely. So Qigong predates everything. It goes, it predates Tai Chi, and it's considered the foundation of Chinese medicine, how these Taoist Qigong masters discovered the flow of energy and blood in the body, you know, years ago before we had, you know, machines and science, etc. They just explored the body and the flow of energy in nature and without so much distraction. So Qigong is a moving meditation that is in the, the way I teach it, which is not the way everybody teaches it, but I'm into practicality and results in terms of health and happiness, is it really methodically opens up the, your capillaries and your energy channels. So anywhere that there is stuck blood, stuck energy, or stuck emotion, it liberates it. Because my view is that disease and depression can be reduced to stuck blood, stuck energy, and stuck emotion in the subconscious, aka our body. And so I have never found a tool that's more effective to unlock stuck blood, stuck emotion, stuck energy, and really get things moving. And it's really, really gentle. And it's founded on that Taoist um, saying that water wears away rock. You know, Mm -hmm. we think that things have to be really hard and aggressive to be effective, but there's actually very gentle subtle, mindful approaches that are really powerful. And that's something I've just really resonated with. I really like what you're doing. And it's, it's very practical. And, uh, you know, this is guys, guys radio. So we're trying to do kind of very clear versions of how to help people. And then it's up to them to do the work. So what, what would be your advice, Blake, for people out there who are listening and say, okay, what's something I can start in with? Maybe they're not ready for meditation, even, even before that, what thoughts 
how can they begin to shift their thoughts to more self-love and less self-loathing? Well, I think I would have, in the spirit of guy's guy, you know, no BS radio, I would say you got to cut your BS and you got to sit down and take 10 minutes and stop making excuses because it's really easy to make excuses and then to blame and complain. But at the end of the day, we are creating our life. And so everything that we experience, we are creating and attracting. And that comes back to the, the very hard lesson of personal responsibility. And if you want to achieve your best and be your best for yourself, for your partner, for your children, for the world, you got to be accountable. So, you know, looking at your thoughts and how you react is really important. Expressing your emotions is, is you know, number one next to meditation is you got to be vulnerable and, and being vulnerable and talking about your feelings is not weakness. It's actual real strength. And the men that we had as role models who were stoic and never showed emotions were actually a little scared, angry, and insecure. And that's why they kept their feelings in. And so you got to open up because it's the only way you're going to uh, feel valued and appreciated as a man. And it's the only way you're going to be happy and not self-destructive. Fantastic. Okay, Blake D. Bauer, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. He's a real guys guy, and he's here to help. And I totally support the work he's doing. The name of the book is You Were Not Born to Suffer, Overcome Fear, Insecurity, and Depression, and Love Yourself Back to Happiness, Confidence, and Peace. And it's a great book for guys. So, Blake, tell everybody where they can learn more about you and where they can get your book. Well, thanks, Robert. You know, I'd say uh, check it out on Audible or iTunes because I know a lot of guys like to listen in the car or listen while they're, you know, traveling or working yep. out. So it's on Audible. Uh, it's my voice if I haven't bored you already. And nope. uh, it, it will help you change everything. Fantastic. Well, listen, great job. As I mentioned, we'll talk separately, but we've got to get you back here. We'll do some deeper dives on some specific practices and some specific issues to help guys out there. All right. Thank you, Robert. I would love that. Okay. Thank you very much. Blake D. Bauer. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay. Guy's Guy's Radio, your host, Robert Manny, and I am very pleased. A return guest to Guy's Guy's Radio. His name is Dr. Gary Salyer, PhD, and he has written a book uh, about being safe to love again. And he was on the show previously. It's about how to release the pain of past relationships and create the love you deserve. And it's very uh, relevant today in the time of COVID, in the time of so much divisiveness out there. So I want to have Gary back and kind of update us on what's going on with his work and also talk about COVID and how we can connect. Now, let me tell you a little bit about his background. After Gary's first divorce, he vowed that his next marriage would be different. So when that crumbled almost a decade later, for the same reasons, he felt like a, you know, kind of like a failure. But rather than give in, he was determined to find another way. He dedicated himself to doing deep research about all things love and love, how to make it lasting, became his life's highest calling, not just for himself, but for others. And he's really a guy who's based on service and he's a real guy's guy. And he's developed a powerful and effective methodology to make it safe to love again for many of those out there. And I'm sure you know a lot of folks like this who've kind of given up hope on love. Now he bases his work on a field called attachment theory, the science of intimate relationships. 
And Gary's insights have profound and oftentimes immediate impact. He's a transformational relationship mentor. He helps people rewrite the rules of love in their brains. Because of his innovative new approach that rewires brains to secure love, singles and couples experience deep, lasting shifts that happen in easy, natural ways. And therapists are even saying his new approach will change the way therapists do therapy. And why I wanted to have Gary on here is, again, to talk about love in the time of COVID, kind of update us on his work, and also with all the divisiveness that we have going around, because, you know, dating in COVID's tough, long-term relationships in COVID's tough. It's just a crazy world we're in right now, so I thought Gary would be the perfect guest at the perfect time. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio, Dr. Gary Salyer. Thank you, Robert, for having me on. I'm glad to be back on Guys Guys Radio. So let's just for uh, the benefit of our listeners and some who may not have uh, caught our first podcast or are familiar with your work, tell us a little bit about what your uh, principles are uh, in terms of how you address love and the aspect of being safe to love again, because uh, there's so many people out there who kind of don't feel worthy because they've been single for so long or they've had failed relationships, et cetera. Thank you, Robert. Uh, and I agree with you. I've been saying for some time that there's an epidemic, not only of COVID, but of unworthiness out there. So many people are afraid they're not enough or they'll never be enough or whatever. So what I, in the book I describe, Safe to Love Again, uh, attachment theory is simply the science of how your brain got wired to love and be loved usually from experience zero to three, believe it or not. But later experience also happens. So if you had a horrible first marriage, that can affect it, right? Now, what I argue in the book is very simple, that if we get four key feelings when we're zero to three, that those feelings become like templates or permission slips to have more experience like that. Those, and that's what allows us to pick and choose better love. Those four feelings that are your brain's natural GPS are welcomed with joy. Do you feel really welcomed by someone? Oh, good seeing you today, Robert, that sort of thing. Or you wake up in the morning and you hear, good morning, gorgeous, or good morning, handsome. That's welcome with joy. What we're uh, worthy and nourished to have your needs met. It means it's okay to reach out, to not just give, 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 but to receive, to take. And you know that it's going to be an attuned response. You're worthy to have your needs met. Cherished and protected, which is you get to be a me, you get to go out and have your world, but you get to come back to the home port of somebody's heart. As a guy, you may think respected or honored is maybe the word you might use. And someone has your back. And then empowered with choice. You get to have a voice. Somebody shares influence with you. If you got those four feelings, they predict that you will pick and choose pretty good relationships, maintain in a pretty way. But if you got any of the other ones, like maybe unwelcome or unworthy or uncherished or disempowered, they, if they become your GPS, you'll pick someone who gives you the same feeling back of unworthy or disempowered. So the key for feeling safe to love again is to restore your brain's natural GPS so you are picking and choosing and creating based on the feeling, feeling of being welcomed, being worthy, being cherished or respected, and being empowered. That's mm-hmm. it's true. So how does one uh, kind of uh, reassess themselves and re, uh, 
rebuild themselves to be in a position to accept self-love and then be in a position where they can receive and attract the love of of another. Let me give you a quick example. I was single for many years and I had failed relationships. I had, they were successful for a certain period of time, but they never got over the finish line, if you will. And I asked myself, what am I doing wrong? And my intuition told me, you're not, you don't have room. You're not making room for somebody else in your, in your life. It's all about you. You got to make room for somebody else. And for me, when I had that epiphany, I, I knew I had it. And sure enough, I was engaged a year later and I've been married for 10 years. Does that tie into your process? I mean, that's okay. just my personal experience. I'm not saying, you know, it fits in perfectly, but um, I, don't, I don't know if it was about self-worth, but it was about something missing and having to go back and reassess. Yes, reassess, you know. So when I hear that story, Robert, what I hear, I talk about a right to separate and belong. Now, belong is all about creating a we. It's about making room for somebody else. So there's room in your garage you know, for their car. There's room in your schedule for somebody. And if we get way, if at some point in time, we uh, being separate felt like the best deal possible, then we don't create enough space for we, and then those relationships crumble. When I work with couples, I can tell you for a certainty that you show me a couple where there's not a we, and I'll show you a war. The we is so important. And somewhere along the line, your brain just learned that it was it was safer and easier to be separate. Mm-hmm. But when that template runs in a relationship, eventually it causes conflict and, and loneliness and frustration, and those don't work out so well. Mm-hmm. Now, how can you uh, qualify a potential partner if you are you have the we mentality and you've, you've done the self-work and you've read your book, et cetera, and now they're out there meeting people, and immediately I think they're going to say, "That's this person has a lot of work to do. This person, no, is a potential. How, how do they do that qualification? Okay, the, the, what I tell all singles, if you're out there looking, there are, I mean, there's four things you're looking at plus one other. You're looking for those four feelings. After four, five, six dates, take an assessment. How welcomed with joy do you feel? Really welcomed, mm-hmm. worthy, cherished, and empowered. You know, and then after that, you're looking for signs of the we. Are they showing signs that they can? They are real partnership material. That they're willing to share influence. They're willing to hold your dreams at the same level as their own. That they're not willing to sacrifice your needs at the cost of their, uh, your needs, so they can have their own needs met in a better way. And a perfect example of that is like a. Uh, about a month or two ago, uh, a woman is meets somebody, really cool-looking guy, you know, and the sixth text, he suggests going on some app, and she goes, I don't know about that. And he goes, you're, you're kind of stupid with technology, aren't you? And, and so how much welcomed and worthy? You know, there's contempt there. And I said, well, if, if this is the sixth, you know, text, run right Mm -hmm. but just notice that she goes this doesn't feel right of course it didn't it's not welcoming and it's and and there's contempt rather than cherished so you want to you want to look at those and after about the first month start looking for what sort of we are they creating now we're in a time of there's a lot of divisiveness you've got um we've got political divisiveness and i'm sure you've heard from couples where 
one person's a Democrat, the other person's a Republican. And in the past, it didn't matter. But now it seems to matter because we're at this tipping point now. But also, we have COVID. Now, COVID has changed the way people date. How do those two factors impact relationships, whether it be singles or couples? Okay, let's take the political stuff going on first, okay? There is, look at how much hypervigilance there is by everyone because chaos is running the show. And I can honestly tell you the first week after the, the last election in 2016, I had 10 emergency sessions. And for the couples, it was because these, these wives felt like the, the fox was guarding the hen house. And, they, and their husbands weren't getting why they were so upset. Now, if there's, and, the, and what happens is if there's any sexual abuse in a woman's past, this guy's history is a red light and they don't feel safe. Then the, the mania is kind of continued. You know, uh, and so it's almost as if we, well, when you are dealing with someone who has a personality disorder, and I'm just going to be very honest, there's chaos. You're always looking over, so your your defenses never go down. Now, what that does for couples is, while you're being distracted, you're not paying attention to their bids. While you know, we only have so much energy, and it's distracting for all of us who are in a relationship, lest we get taken down a road because some part of our brain wants to always feel safe when we don't anymore. This is Robert Manny, host of Guys Guys Radio. My special guest is Dr. Gary Salyer. He's uh, returned to talk about his book, Safe to Love Again, and also all things uh, COVID and politics, actually, with relationships. So can somebody who's a Republican and a Democrat right now with all the craziness can they get along? Do you find that they, or is that becoming like a, you know, if you're a woman and you're like, okay, I, I don't, I'm not for the president or whatever, and this my this guy I'm dating, he's all in. Um, can they can they make it, make a go of it, or is it going to be that much of a factor where it's just not going to work? Well, first off, we have to, you know, there's two issues here. Is there, you know, it used to be that American politics was about center left, center right. Republican being center right, Democrats. There was a lot of room, more shared values. You know, I voted. I voted for Republican and Democratic president. Me too. Me too. I have. Right. And at no time did I ever think if my guy didn't win that we were screwed as a country. Now the thing here, as we polarized and became a lot due to you know this what I call boutique news <laughs> that mm-hmm. caters only to people's stuff, we grew apart. And if you notice what's going on, especially on social media, there is all this criticism and contempt that's being leveled. And then defensiveness, defending at all costs, even when reason would suggest. Now, I can tell you that those three things, criticism, defensiveness, and contempt, along with stonewalling, will predict the demise of a couple with 94% accuracy in 6.8 years. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not going to work for our, with our friends, with our wives, and it won't work for our country. There is so much of that. And I think for most couples, you know, uh, if you're single and they are all really radically over there and, you're, and this is not what you believe in, there's a values conflict. But if you're just normal, middle of the class, you know, pretty much center left, center right, there's mm-hmm. plenty of room for respect 
for your yeah. friends. I have a neighbors that voted the other way, you know, for me. And we have wonderful conversations because I value them for more than their opinions. And yeah. I think that's important. See the value of the person. Don't get caught up in the position. Now, if you're single and, and some guy really holds some uh, a woman or you know, if your guy, the, the woman holds some positions that are really not yours, there is something about values alignment. Let's get into uh, COVID then. Um, if you're single nowadays, it's tough enough to be single to begin with these days. And then you've also got the political aspect of it. With COVID and the uncertainty of it, we, we, you know, nobody's got a grip on this thing. This is one of the few times in our lifetimes in America where individuals feel that, you know, we're on, we're, we're on our own. I don't think anybody would disagree that there's kind of no plan in place and the virus is out there and whatever you think of it, nobody's got a handle on it. So we have to make our own decisions and uh, hopefully we're respectful of ourselves and, for, and others. But as part of dating, how does one... How does a single uh, proceed in this time of COVID to date? Or is it just a better to just go back, work on yourself, and wait till this thing blows over, hopefully next year? Well, I know some people are doing the latter. They're working on themselves. I've had a few people sign up. But I can tell you, there are some, there's a, a kind of a beautiful silver lining to COVID. It used to be the, the scourge of online dating was swipe left, swipe left, swipe left, swipe left, you know, and nobody was swiping down to get to know each other. Uh, fear of missing out. You get in a relationship that's pretty good as potential. Maybe there's somebody better out there. <laughs> well, now you can't meet them. So, you know, when you meet someone, then you have to invest more fully. What I'm telling couples is, I mean, singles is that there's two things. One is when you meet somebody that's pretty good, get online, get on Zoom, get on Skype, and you get to know them. Find out what your comfort level is with uh, their social distancing practices. Now, if you learn enough, and don't do these five-hour conversations. I, you know, half hour is good enough, 45 minutes, right? But multiple times, get a feel for their life, get a feel for their energy. And then if you really want to get together, you create what I call a preliminary couple book. Now, every couple has this bubble that's supposed to protect them. Now, I'm not talking about the committed, you know, ring on the finger type. Just enough so that you talk and say, this is what I'm comfortable with. Are you comfortable with social distancing? So that you, you quarantine for two weeks, you actually create a space so it's safe to get together so you can hold hands, so you can kiss at the end of the day. You know, that's, and you got to know your, your level of comfort and you, you figure out from knowing them a little bit on Skype, does it sound like their lifestyle you can trust, you debate it, and then you allow yourselves to date in that way. I've literally had several of my single women client do it, and it doesn't mean after five or six or seven dates, one of them said, no, that wasn't quite the right guy, right? But they were able to have normal uh, dating because they committed to doing the safety that it took for them to actually so, date. So I would assume then, uh, Gary, that we want to be careful uh, when in dating, meeting somebody new that, you know, these answers are ferreted out in a way that doesn't feel like an interview. Because too yeah. often, I think, and to correct me if I'm wrong, people go out on a date and they meet somebody the first time and they ask all these questions that are really about them, not about the other person. And then they start factoring in who this other person is is based on what their own personal opinions 
and experiences have been, and sometimes it's over before it's begun because you haven't given the chance for the two of you, the we, to experience the, the beauty of meeting and having a new shared experience with a new person. So exactly. if that's the case, which I think it is, how then do you layer that COVID aspect on top of it without being like a, a, a checklist when you're talking to somebody? And when is the best time to get this information out there during your Zoom talks? You, wanna, you don't want to talk about when we kiss for the first time during a Zoom talk, of course. How do you kind of navigate that slippery uh, pathway? Okay. Well, just kind of notice that if you're doing a, you know, an all points bulletin, you know, job interview, your first uh, Zoom call or date, uh, that's not exactly welcome with joy. Nobody feels <laughs> really welcome with joy at, at a you know. I mean, it's just not. You know, what you want to do is start off with an attitude of appreciation. Get to know them. Make it lighter. You're, it's not about finding the one. It's just noticing what did you enjoy them. Did that you did you laugh? Did you did you like the energy? This takes a little time. You got to slow it down to do what I was saying. And then you know it comes. See if it comes up naturally. You know, you you can say, so how do you, somebody says, gosh, it's really frustrating wearing a mask, or, you know, I always do, and you hear things, you ask, how do you feel about wearing a mask? Mm -hmm. Or they tell you, you know, every Thursday, I, you know, uh, I used to meet with uh, eight guys, and we did cards, or they tell you they're still doing it, and then, you know, is that something <laughs> you feel comfortable with? It's not an interview process. It's not, you got my, here's my 10 COVID questions. Right. It's getting to know them. And then if there's enough energy saying, you know, you're, you know, you're really a great gal, but you know, that, that bridge party with 15 people, <laughs> you know, that doesn't concerns cut. me. Right. Couples, which I thought was very provocative. Something when you uh, wrote to me, uh, you know, couples are uh, experiencing either uh, endings or, uh, a tightening of the relationship. I know for myself, I like hanging out with my wife. So the fact that we've been together with my home, you know, it, you can get a little bit, everybody's got to have their separate space and all of that. But I actually like my wife as a person. She's my best friend and it's fun to hang out with her. And I like most people I hang out with, I, I like to be with them. It's not like I've had enough of you. Um, but there are a lot of relationships, um, is my understanding that, uh, even though they've been together 20, 30 years or whatever, that this COVID thing, too much on top of each other, that uh, they can't handle it. And maybe it's because people, uh, two jobs, people are just going their separate ways. They eat at different times. You know, it's appointment-based. It's like you're, you know, having sex with, sex with your roommate or whatever sometimes where it becomes, uh, you know, kind of a, just a process, if you will. What, what's going on there? And that's being discovered. Do you find that? Oh, yeah. I mean, what couples got, what singles got is suddenly they all have to be separate, social distancing, and they don't have any right to belong anymore. They don't have to go out and have decent relationships. The opposite happened. Couples got way too much right to belong and not enough right to separate. This is a Goldilocks thing I talk about in a book. We, it's like your lungs breathing it out. You breathe in, you go out, and then you come back. You go out, you come back. Nobody was meant to trip under each other's um, feet 24-7, uh, and there's too many bids for attention. You know, it overheats the, the whole thing. So what I tell couples is you're going to have to negotiate real separation. 
there may be a time or there may be a chair you sit in or there may be a sign. And when they say if that's their time, how much separation you do, how do you demarcate it? So you don't make a bid for connection when they're sitting in the chair knitting. There needs to be time for them to be separate. Okay, and then you also have to make every feeling okay. COVID is like an airport, like O'Hare Airport, with all sorts of feelings landing, and we have got to be the air traffic controllers. <laughs> and what that means is we make all feelings okay. The day will come, the hour will come when something freaks you or them out, and they're going to be bouncing off walls. You listen just for the point. You don't try to fix you. go, wow, that does feel scary. Tell me more about that. Oh, that's disappointing. Okay, what's the worst part about that? And then there's got to be rule, though. Only one person can freak out. It has to be a security. <laughs> if stuff. one person freaks out, the other one holds down the fort emotionally for the couple. Um, and then the other thing is, it's not. Well, there's going to be a lot of feelings of overwhelm and everything. And not only do you have to share influence more, especially if your guys, if she's doing homeschooling, she needs a lot more support if she's got a career, right? But remember to share the positive feelings as well. Remember why you got together. There's research that shows that if couples can share for five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, positive feelings with an example. So, you know, what I noticed is you're so very caring, like the time, you know, you just cook supper today, you know, for all of us in a very special way or whenever it was. In two to three weeks, you can take a couple that's in a huge negative spin and turn it around. So you got to make every feeling okay. You got to share the positive ones and you got to set some rules so you can separate and have your me time. Because it can't be just we time. Okay. Great advice. My special guest and a buddy, Dr. Gary D. Salyer, PhD. I'm so glad you came back to the show. Great advice as usual. Tell our listeners where they can find more about you and get your book. Okay. Well, uh, you can. I'm at GarySalyer.com. G-A-R-Y-S-A-L-Y-E-R.com. If you have any questions or anything, you can always write me at drgary at garysalyer.com, D-R-G-A-R-Y. And you get the book on Amazon. It's called Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. It's Guys Guy Radio. Good interviews with two guys guys on Guys Guys Radio. Two very different individuals, yet uh, I think there was kind of a thematic message there between both what we heard from Blake D. Bauer and his book, You Were Not Born to Suffer, and also Dr. Gary D. Salyer, Ph.D., and his book, Safe to Love Again. And in uh, Dr. Salyer's case, we talked about a lot of stuff going on with COVID and how to navigate self-love and meeting other people and relationships there. But in general, both individuals talk to us about the importance of self-love and how uh, many times in life we put ourselves in positions where we don't like ourselves or we don't feel deserving of love and success and uh, warmth and good feelings and positivity from others. And that's a real problem and it's an epidemic in our culture and it's very, very sad. But self-love is where everything begins because if you can't find a way to love yourself it's going to be very difficult for you to love others so uh, both gentlemen who visited us on guys guys radio had 
slightly different approaches, but it was the same issue, self-love. So in Blake's case, he had problems as a kid growing up, and he worked his way through by training himself and exposing himself to a lot of uh, practices that uh, were designed to kind of raise his frequency or vibration, if you will, and get more in tune with the divine spark, if you will, that's inside. And I think he's done a fantastic job. And his book is a, is a bestseller. And uh, he's just a regular guy that's done a lot of work, in my opinion. And I don't think he would disagree with that. He talks about uh, depression, addiction, physical illness, unfulfilling work, and how he kind of works his way through all those things, and he really wants to serve and help other people. So I think he's a good guy. I think he's a guy, guy, guy's guy. And if you want to check out his book, again, it's You Were Not Born to Suffer, Blake D. Bauer. For Gary Salyer, he's been on our show before, and his book, again is, again, is Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Desire. And today... Uh, it's all about actually, you know, the right, the right to exist, to have your needs met, to be separate, yet to belong, and really self-respect. It all starts there. And we talked a lot about COVID and uh, attempting to develop relationships in this very challenging time. And as we all are aware, this epidemic, uh, it didn't round the curve nicely. It's, it's really in our face now. And a lot of things are getting kind of tightened up in terms of uh, closures where, you know, you can't go out too late at night, uh, et cetera, and the indoor dining is banned in a lot of places, and it's it's tough. So when you talk about relationships, uh, I personally think that it's kind of tough to start a new relationship with everything that's going on right now. So anyhow, Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA Radio here in sunny Southern California. 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 AM. The show rebroadcasts every Sunday at 6 PM Pacific time. The podcast and my YouTube drop on Thursdays. And we're worldwide with the podcast. We're on over 25 platforms. Uh, you know, the easiest way is to just go on Apple Podcasts. But wherever you consume your podcasts, we're there. Guys Guys Radio with Robert Manny. And also, if you want to watch the show... The interview portions of the show are on our YouTube channel. So if you go on YouTube and you look up my name, Robert Manny, it'll take you to a page called Guys Guys TV. And we have just about every one of our shows is posted on YouTube. And most recently, we began posting the video portions of the interviews, and we're going to keep doing that. So I hope everybody has a happy Thanksgiving. I know it's a little bit of a different one, but I think it'll be a much different scenario next Thanksgiving, and then we'll really have something special to be thankful for. So, thankful for. so hang in there. And until next time, just remember that, uh, like I always say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>